Welcome back to Horoscope Witch. It's Mal, and today is January 1st, 2020, at least the day I'm recording this podcast. I think you will be listening to this a little bit later in the week. I actually cast a chart for when I wanted to release this podcast. <laughs> um, I'm experimenting with making my own um, electional charts, which is sort of like electing a time to do this or that. And kind of, it's almost like making your own birth chart for an event. So I did make the a birth chart for this podcast <laughs> to come out and I'm going to see if it works. Uh, really, my intention is... Um, maybe to see if I like time the podcast in like uh, with the electional chart I just want to see like will it get more listens like will you guys like it better will it be more well received uh, will someone new find me like I, I don't know I'm just doing a little astrology student experiment so I believe this will be coming out on January 3rd and I think I cast the electional chart to be like at 6 a.m. or something like that so I'm going to be releasing it then because I'm a nutcase uh, <laughs> um, but regardless hey guys I miss you uh, how are you I um, haven't recorded in a while was kind of taking the holiday a little bit of a break over the holidays and honestly as of right now on the first day of 2020 I feel let's just have a little heart to heart before we get into the astrology stuff uh just so you guys kind of know where I'm at I feel just weird just so weird and strange and I <laughs> I feel like I'm in the middle of an alchemical process where I'm like not like it's like the temperance card and she's pouring the two cups and you don't know the substance she's actually making that's how I feel like as a person at the moment I don't feel the vibes of like 2020 new year new me uh, <laughs> I don't feel like I'm starting this year off um, mentally on a great note I'm struggling right now uh, I've the past couple weeks and I think this was all kind of set off by the new moon solar eclipse in Capricorn that we had on December 26th um, but since then I've just felt incredibly triggered incredibly emotional like I'm ready to crack open uh, at any moment uh, <laughs> and I have cracked open and just like have been uh, kind of felt like my emotions have uh, the, a mind of their own at the moment I feel like I've been coming to a lot of like deep and difficult realizations about my healing, uh, my ancestral trauma, my inherited trauma, my own childhood trauma. There's just been a lot of shadow work, okay? So then yesterday, I was on Instagram, and I should probably should have just taken the day off of social media, but yesterday I was on Instagram, and it was New Year's Eve yesterday, and I was scrolling, and I was seeing... Um, you know, everybody like posts about their accomplishments and doing all this stuff and, you know, like doing like their tw 2019 recap. And I had this like moment where I was like, am I supposed to be doing this? Uh, <laughs> like, am I supposed to be 
recapping my year for my followers? Like, am I supposed to be doing something? Because I'm just not feeling it, man. Like, I just, I am not feeling it. So, um, I, yeah, I just had this moment where I was like, am I a bad social media witch? Like, <laughs> am I a bad uh, astrologer? Like, I, I don't, I'm not recapping my year in this, like, beautifully, um, you know, serendipitous way. Uh, you know, it's not to say that I'm not grateful for last year, because I, I totally am. And last year, 2019, you know, I went professional with my, you know, psychic astrology tarot stuff. I started my Etsy. I I got to work with a lot of you guys. That was amazing. Like, thank you. Genuinely, thank you for trusting me with your soul. Thank you for letting me see your astrology charts. Like, this blows my mind that you that you trust me. Uh, <laughs> like, thank you for thank you for just supporting me and listening, even if you just listen. Um, it's been amazing, but it's also, it, it was a very difficult year, and it was um, very shadowy. Um, it was very triggering. Like I said, there's just a lot to wrap my head around, and I know, I, I know I've made a lot of fun on this podcast about burning shit in cauldrons. <laughs> if you've listened to this before, I, I, I've kind of usually say stuff like, you know, you can't just burn it in a cauldron. You, you gotta, you gotta work through it psychologically too, and that's when that kind of stuff really works, right? Uh, but after I record this podcast. I have a lot of letters that I'm that I kind of wrote and I'm not going to send and I'm going to burn them and I'm just going to kind of forgive myself. There's been so many times this year, you know, for talking about, you know, hashtag 2019 highlights. Uh, I have there's been so many times this year where I've just like fucked up when it comes to setting boundaries. I've let people, um, you know, cross boundaries. I've uh, been way too nice in certain ways. Uh, (laughs) I've been, um, you know, I haven't said what I really wanted to say because I've chosen to kind of play the role of being nice and not caring and quote unquote letting stuff roll off my back versus actually saying what I needed to say. I've done that a million times in 2019, and I've really just haven't been the best advocate for myself in 2019. I haven't been, um, you know, haven't had a lot of stuff going on where, how do I say this? I guess in our healing journeys right now, uh, we may be working on building trust with our inner child we may be we we may be working on inner trust we may be working through things like tendencies to betray ourselves and tendencies to let people cross our boundaries and um that kind of stuff and I'm working through that too and I really I really haven't been the best parent to my inner child in 2019 now I will give myself credit because it's like I didn't have the awareness to be a parent to my inner child until like right now, you know. Um, but now that I do have the awareness, it's time for me to kind of step up the self-care in a really radical way. Of course, not in the 
kind of cliche social media way, but in a way of like, no, man, like I need to build better trust with myself. Like I need my inner child to know that no matter what, I'm going to be taking care of them like every single day. Uh, this We're not messing around anymore. Like <laughs> I can't keep abandoning, abandoning myself um, like I did in the past. And that's kind of where I'm at with my healing journey. And, uh, you know, I'm not embarrassed to share that with you all because as a healer or a healing practitioner, I think it's important to voice as much as possible that I'm also healing and I'm also going on this journey with you all. And I think it's powerful too when, um, I think that's part of the reason why some of you resonate with me so deeply. It's because we're going through the same thing, you know, and, um, and, Helping others has helped me see parts of myself, too, that I haven't wanted to look at. And there's been so many healings where I go into it and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to be of service to this person. I can't wait to help them on their journey in some way, whether it's Reiki, astrology, tarot. And I leave the reading um, sometimes just feeling like... um, you know, even though you guys don't know it, even though, you know, it, like from your perspective, the reading uh, is about you as it should be. And we spend the whole, we spend like a lot of time talking about you and your journey. Um, you know, I leave the reading feeling like I kind of learned something about myself too. And even if I didn't say it, you have helped me um, realize something about myself. And I think that's what's the powerful, what's so powerful about doing the psychic work. Um, And also it's just, sorry, not to keep blabbing, but uh, too, it's really true to do the healing work, to be some, any kind of facilitator, the this the shadow work and the accountability and the self-care and the um self-trust that you have to have within yourself uh it's a lot and that's really what what i'm trying to get at in 2020 i guess Um, the more i can trust myself and the more i can um stay loyal to taking care of myself and putting myself first I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to continue to grow and be a better and better healer as as the years go on. And that's what I'm excited about. But I I thought I'd share that because, man, it has not been like a happy, happy, joy, joy, like holidays. It hasn't been happy, happy, joy, joy, new year. But I truly am thankful to be sitting here right now and talking to you. And I'm thankful that you're listening. And, um... Anytime, like the gratitude practices that, you know, we all talk about and, you know, having gratitude for what you have, uh, the stuff that I like really put in the gratitude journal that I have, it's, it's when you guys message me, it's when you guys leave a review, it's when you guys give me, send me an email, it's when you talk to me, it's that kind of stuff I always add in my gratitude journal. I'm like, wow, I can't believe that, you know, someone felt called to tell me this nice thing or like I can't believe someone really resonated with this or that Um, so that's been really the most powerful part of 2019 and I'm just I'm excited like I'm in 2020 I am queen of swords 
Like, I am that part in, <laughs> and I say that now, um, but I am that part of, like, Miss Congeniality, where Sandra Bullock comes out of that, um, like, warehouse, and they just finished, like, doing her hair and, like, waxing every part of her body, and she's, like, eating a carrot stick, and she's like, don't mess with me, like, <laughs> like, that's what the place I'm in right now, I'm like, don't mess with me. <laughs> I am like uprooting like a hundred years worth of ancestral trauma that is stuck in me. I am like really putting my foot down. I'm really coming into like who I really am in this alchemical process. I'm getting to know myself better. Um, I've lost myself. I've kind of found myself, but not yet. It, it's just, it's just a weird journey. So Let's get into the astrology because everything that I'm blabbing about and everything that you're probably feeling too has to do with what is going to be coming up in January 2020 and really what happened in 2018 and 2019. Um, I'm almost kind of feeling like 2018, 2019, and 2020, um, it's kind of been, there are going to be three really difficult but profound um, years in our lives and it's funny because I was getting the message and if you've listened to me before you've probably heard me talk about like the idea of a soul contract so I really believe that before we choose to reincarnate to this earth we have a little contract with the higher source or God or whoever you want to call them and we kind of say okay I'm signing up to start this podcast. I'm signing up to, you know, meet this person. I'm signing up to listen to Mal and my drive to work, you know, whatever it is. Uh, we've all kind of signed up to be here and to be intermingling in some way. And I just have this feeling that in our soul contracts, there's kind of like a gold star on like <laughs> 2018 2019 and 2020 like we were like all right we agreed to some big ass shit during these years like we in our soul contracts I just feel like there is some stuff that we agreed to experience and we agreed to work through uh, and those some of those things are going to be very challenging they're going to feel like uh very profound things that you did not know you had the strength to work through, but you did. Uh, there are going to be moments where, yeah, you're just going to be like, I didn't know I was capable of that, but I did it and I worked through it. And yeah, that's because it's part of your soul contract. So I almost want to label like um, 2020 as like the soul contract year <laughs> even though like every moment of our lives or every occurrence in our lives I think is a part of our soul contract I think 2020 especially remember this you know as you go throughout the year just remember when Mal said you know there's just some stuff we signed up for and we don't exactly know why, but there are just some stuff that we signed up for. Um, and it's all going to make sense later. Um, but right now, we kind of just have to go with the flow <laughs> and, and really connect with that higher self. Now, we start off the year 
uh, or we can kind of start, let's fast go backwards a little bit, uh, because I really believe we're still feeling that solar, new moon solar eclipse in Capricorn that happened on December 26th, the day after Christmas. Uh, that new moon, um, it's, it was, a new, again, that new moon in Capricorn, the sun and the moon were conjunct at four degrees Capricorn, but the sun and the moon were also trining Uranus, that who is at three degrees Taurus. So whenever like this sort of new moon solar eclipse is trining Uranus, if we remember the planetary meaning of Uranus, it's about um, breaking free, uh, change. Uranus is, tends to be a rebel. If we think of the tarot, if you read the tarot, um, the fool card is represented by Uranus. So with this new moon solar eclipse after Christmas, I think this was sort of the realization that we all had that was sort of like, wow. I've changed <laughs> and I've changed in a way that I can't really put my finger on. I can't really verbalize how I've changed uh, from the outside. It's probably visible. And on the inside, I'm still kind of catching up, um, you know, on the exterior, the change may be really obvious, but the internal world might still need to catch up to the changes that we've made. Uh, for instance, like sometimes I forget what I've done. <laughs> like I've, I forget what I've kind of accomplished and I forget the things that I've been through and I'll be like freaking out about something and I'll be like, whoa, 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 like, we we are past this like i i was in malaysia for a year like teaching english like i've i've gone through a lot of stuff like i've and then i got back and i started doing the psychic work professionally like i am not the same person so but notice how sometimes our emotional reaction and our spiritual reactions uh, and maybe our mental reactions i should say rather um are a little bit slower to catch up to the physical uh, and that's why I believe I think in our sort of different ways we experience things I think the physical sometimes happens the fastest and then it takes like the internal world a little bit time to catch up uh, but then it can also be the exact opposite because sometimes I think uh, if we're in therapy for trauma, like we may mentally understand something, but then it takes a long time for our physical body to catch up. So I think it's kind of a toss up. It can go either way. But with that new moon solar eclipse in Capricorn, regardless of whether it was spiritually, mentally, or physically, I think there was a part of us that was really ready to change and really ready to break free, but then there was another part of us that was having a really hard time integrating that new part. And remember, I always say we are all, we are five elements. We are earth, fire, air, water, and spirit. And that's a lot of elements to sort of get them all to be harmonious and working together. Um, <laughs> sometimes uh, one element is completely taking over. I think uh, 
uh, ironically, be, even though it's Capricorn season, so Capricorn is an earth sign, I think we're going to be very watery in January. We're going to be very watery during this Capricorn season because we're really breaking open. So with that, going back to that new moon solar eclipse in Capricorn after Christmas, don't beat yourself up if you're still integrating your changes. Again, you may recognize I am a completely different person. I've done these things, but big life experiences take a big amount of time to really, to really marinate. <laughs> We're still marinating in these experiences and um, spirit is kind of showing me um, in my mind's eye uh, the ma major arcana and the major arcana in the tarot are about these big life experiences that take a long time to move through okay I always say this but we don't just move through the major arcana in one day even though it can sometimes seem like that especially if we're pulling a card of a day and maybe on Monday we get the hero font and Tuesday we get the tower or whatever um but in the grand scheme of things it takes us a long time to move through one card it may, it takes us a long time to move through one cycle and i think it's it's that's why it's uh, sometimes i hate the way we've not sometimes all the time i hate the way we've been conditioned to deal with our emotions because we oftentimes uh, put a timeline on our emotions and we often are really hard on ourselves and tell ourselves this thing happened five years ago or this thing happened, you know, whatever, I should be over it by now or um, I'm still integrating something that happened two years ago. But again, and I'll say it again, trauma does not know time. And with big experiences, it, it just takes a lot of marination to really harmonize that mind body and spirit change and evolution that we're making and that's the other thing spirit is kind of yelling in my ear they're like they're like evolution evolution and if you think about evolution um just you probably think of like a caveman like turning into a human uh yeah the actual process of evolution literally takes millions of years uh but the process of spiritual evolution uh is also something that we uh we can't really like we can't really see we can't really see the grand scheme of spiritual evolution and we're just really dipping our toe in now to a more spiritual way of life uh for the entirety of really hu human humanity uh, not the entirety of humanity but for a big chunk of time we were really on that religious track right we were really on that like you know buddha muhammad jesus kind of way of thinking about things and now we've it just not even in the past hundred years, we've been starting to really open up to a more spiritual way of seeing things. So be mindful of that too. Uh, our evolution as a group, as a soul group is is really just beginning. And I think that's also why we may be feeling very overwhelmed right now. Honestly, as we should. <laughs> uh, we're dealing again, we're dealing with these greater experiences of spiritual evolution and that can feel really heavy and you know in January we're in Capricorn season uh, when we have so many planets in Capricorn like for instance by January by mid-January we're gonna have Sun Mercury Ceres Saturn Pluto 
Jupiter and the south node that's seven things in Capricorn so Capricorn tends to make us feel really heavy when we have an overabundance of Capricorn energy now don't think I'm talking smack about Capricorn because I'm not but when we feel it and honestly even the Capricorns right now are like nodding their head they're like yeah I get it though Mal like I get it the Capricorn energy can be really heavy so I guess I'm just kind of giving this little jan we'll call it the january sermon i'm not really going to do the moon sermons for january because um i'm going to just do this this episode i think it's more it makes more sense because the energies are all so interconnected i'm just going to do one big energy forecast uh, but yeah the energy is that capricornian heaviness that we may be feeling and i think this January, although societally, <laughs> in, a, in, in our society's way of looking at the month of January, we think it's a time to start goals, it's a time to start, stop the bullshit, start going on a new road, start, you know, making these new goals and making New Year's resolutions, uh, but actually the universe and the astrology doesn't necessarily agree with that it's not to say that we can't make goals right now it's not to say that we can't consider what we want to accomplish i'm not saying that at all but the actual like getting going and getting the wheels turning part uh (laughs) it's not going to be um this sort of fast quick um really easy energy going into january and february I actually have an intuitive feeling that we're we're going to be kind of marinating until March. And I think March is really going to be the time where we can finally really launch off with a lot of stuff. Now, that's not to say I'm discouraging you from implementing your New Year's resolutions uh, because I'm definitely for that. But just know these big goals that we have in mind, they're probably going to be feeling very weighted down and like there's a lot of obstacles in front of them. (laughs) Uh, And that's because of the weather in, astrological weather in January and in February. Okay, so, and I hope you guys aren't um, interpreting this as like, uh, like pessimistic or like Debbie Downer because at the same time I'm feeling like a lot of astrologers and a lot of the astrology reports for January have been kind of scary uh, and I don't want to like add to that and I'm not trying to scare anybody but I'm also trying to kind of be realistic with what we should expect because if we can be realistic with the energy feeling heavy and if we can admit to ourselves that we may be moving through very large things then we can take better care of ourselves right but if we are in denial and we start to like run start the race sprinting then we're going to fall on our face right okay so the day let's just start how many minutes have been talking you guys are the best i can't believe you listen to me so (laughs) january 3rd we've got a jupiter conjunction to mercury and we have mars trining chiron so this is actually a really beautiful energy for the beginning of the year and uh, with Jupiter, the planet of expansion, and Mercury, the planet of communication, coming together in this conjunction in Capricorn, I really think we are going to have some 
intuitive hits around the first week of January about what we should be, uh, not what we should be, but what we want to be manifesting and what we want to ultimately create. But do keep in mind this Jupiter-Mercury conjunction is happening in Capricorn and Capricorn tends to rule over more like long-term plans. Uh, Capricorn isn't really this like get rich quick scheme. <laughs> uh, Capricorn is like, no, no dude, like we're gonna have to work on this for like a couple years and really master this and really become like great at what we're trying to do so keep that in mind just the goals we're setting right now it's it's not to say it's kind of useless to set really like high expectations of things that you know you really want to accomplish uh it's kind of like i want to liken it to like making the goal to set a marathon on a Monday and expecting to run the marathon by Friday. It's just not going to happen, right? Your body literally doesn't have the endurance to do it. So just keep that in mind. You can sign up. I mean this figuratively, but I mean maybe literally. You can sign up for the marathon, but just know in signing up, we're, we're really committing to the joy of the process of the training. Uh, we're not really doing it for the end goal. And if we can keep that mindset that we are finding peace and joy and empowerment through the training, through the process, through the journey, we're going to have a lot easier time in January and really in 2020 in general. Now on that day, Mars is also trining Chiron. So for me, the, the main word that was coming to me through this, this aspect was procrastination. And I think in, um, in the beginning of January, those first couple days, we may have, um, you know, something kind of come up where we've been like, yep, I've been procrastinating that. Yep, I've really need to do that for like two years. Yep, I've really been needing to work on this for a while now. Um, and that's Mars, sort of the planet of action and the planet of the way we do things. And Chiron, the planet of our wounds. So if we're finding that our goals are aligned with doing the thing that we're scared of or doing the thing that we've been procrastinating that we know we've needed to do for a while, I think that's going to be really great uh, if we can somehow incorporate it sounds, again, I don't want to be like pessimistic, but if we can incorporate the thing that we haven't really wanted to do and um, incorporate the thing that like isn't all that fun, it's not like that sparkly New Year's resolution, but it's like that gritty New Year's resolution, that is actually the kind of resolutions I think the sky is asking us to make. Um, so these things could be like, I've been avoiding going to therapy. I need to start going to therapy. Um, I've been avoiding um, really taking a look at my mental health. Or uh, for me, it's been, um, I just, ugh. If you've been listening to The Artist's Way, the reason the third episode hasn't come out is because 
of my own procrastination surrounding my shadow side with my creativity. So that's my thing that I'm trying to work on. So again, you know, you heard it in my voice. These are not, that's not stuff that I would ideally want to look at and want to deal with. But if we want to continue on the journey, this is the kind of stuff that we really need to put on our New Year's resolution stuff. Our New Year's resolution kind of goals. It's not just about like, again, the sparkly stuff. It's really more about that those gritty things that again we may not want to do but we really feel like our higher self wants us to do okay so we have that energy going on and then in january on january 10th we have our full moon lunar eclipse in cancer (laughs) on january 11th we have uranus going direct and then on january 12th we have saturn and pluto conjuncting in 22 degrees capricorn So get out your calendars, write that down, (laughs) Um, and really, actually, I mean, take the day off, don't leave your house, no, I'm kidding, Um, but those three days, especially January 10th, 11th, and 12th, and maybe even, I mean, this energy, we've been building up to it for a really long time, Um, so it's, I don't think it's going to be like an explosion of, um, it's not going to be like, totally uh, it it might feel overwhelming is how i feel um it's not going to be like this thing though that we weren't expecting it's not going to be like we're stepping on a landmine but it's going to be a very intense and very profound few days so the reason i just said (laughs) pull out your calendars if you can actually mark for yourself like january 9 10 11 12 13 like those five days Put a, put a little note for yourself there. Uh, just even if you don't remember the logistics of everything I'm saying, those five days are going to be very intense. We may, be, we, we may need to allow ourselves uh, the room to have an emotional release. We may have to allow ourselves the room to ask for help. We may just have to allow ourselves the room to rest on those days. Again, heavy Capricorn energy, it's very hard on the body. Uh, the Capricorn Capricorn rules over our bones. Uh, so that sort of phrase like bone tired is coming to mind. We may feel exhausted in some way. And it's, it's, really, it's really about taking care of our bodies during this time. Now, January 10th, the full moon lunar eclipse in Cancer. I feel as though this moon, and same with Uranus going direct, and same with the Saturn-Pluto conjunction, you see how all of these things are intermingling. I think they're really going to be about ancestral trauma on a, on a personal scale and on a collective scale. And I'll definitely get into that. Um, and the one thing I wanted to bring up, though, uh, something that was coming to me, I, I had a, um, my friend Jen gave me the Wild Unknown Archetypes deck, which is truly like pretty much, I think, one of the most incredible, if not the most incredible deck I've ever had my hands on. Like it's so inspiring, that archetype deck. Uh, and it, it truly has been inspiring me to look into different archetypes. And I've been using the Kim Kranz archetype deck, coinciding while reading a lot about Jungian psychology and Carl Jung is the kind of creator of the idea of an archetype. So 
I've been trying to study different archetypes and one of the archetypes that kind of came into my life when I was trying to like write the notes for this podcast uh, was the the idea of something called a Timenos or a Temenos. I'm going to go with a Temenos um, and um, I'll put it in the show notes and this is a definition from Wikipedia so stay with me and you're like Mal what does this have to do with anything? It relates to what I'm trying to say, so just stay with me. But a temenos is a piece of land cut off and assigned as an official domain, especially to kings and chiefs, or a piece of land marked off from common uses and dedicated to a god, a sanctuary, a holy grail, or a holy place of worship. So we a temenos, the archetype of a temenos, again, could be like a temple. It could be a church. It just is a sacred place. Um, it, it could be the, um, you know, a place where you worship a goddess. Um, and a temenos is often physically marked by a fence or a wall as a structural, structural boundary. Um, and originally the structure or the fence was often just set up as a marker of stones um, around the boundary or a light fence. And the earliest sanctuaries appeared to have begun as uh, parabolos surrounding a sacred grove, spring, cave, or other feature uh, with an altar but no temple or cult image. Um, so even like something like Stonehenge, I think, could be considered a Temenos archetype. Um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be a church. It could be a place in nature that is sort of marked off by stones, as the definition said. And Carl Jung relates the Temenos to a spellbinding or magic circle, which acts as a square space or safe spot where mental work can take place. This Temenos resembles, among others, a symmetrical rose garden with a fountain in the middle, uh, which is an encounter with an unconscious um, can be had where these unconscious contents can be safely brought into the light of consciousness. Okay, let me read that again. So a temenos can be a place where unconscious contents can be safely brought into the light of consciousness. Okay, so this idea that January, um, we're going to, the universe is sort of creating a place for the unconscious to become conscious. Uh, and we may need to have this sort of temenos, our own sort of temenos to go to in order to feel safe, in order to uproot a lot of this stuff that we may be going through. And especially with the theme, um, you know, around January 10th, 11th, 12th, this theme with inherited trauma or ancestral trauma coming up. Yes, a lot of this stuff is extremely unconscious. A lot of this stuff is right now starting to be unconscious and being brought into our conscious reality. Uh, this happened to me on a personal level kind of over Christmas where I just had these realizations of just how much ancestral trauma I'm carrying. And if we can even, and even in the age where, you know, not to at all discount anybody's experience, but even in the age where today a lot, it's very common to have anxiety and depression, 
even that kind of stuff can be and is ancestral things that we're carrying. And I think that's really what this energy is going to bring up. Now, where am I getting this? This is for the students of astrology. So where am I like picking all this stuff up from? You know, I think we should start with the Cancer and the Capricorn archetype. And then we'll get into Pluto and Saturn. Just because, I don't know, as astrologers, like we, we need to explain where we're getting our stuff from, right? <laughs> if I don't explain where I'm like getting, our, uh, getting my information from, then it kind of seems like I'm just like speaking out of my ass or something. And it's, it's more, it, I do have like certain things where these are, these, are, these are ideas that are coming to me through using astrological archetypes as well. And when we think of the Cancer-Capricorn dichotomy, um, Capricorn rules over the sort of cultural idea of the father and ca Cancer rules over the cultural idea of the mother. So the whole sky minus a few planets is pretty much in Capricorn. It's all opposing this north node in Cancer. So I think really this archetype is a lot about ancestral trauma it's about mom and dad the things that we get passed down to us um, that aren't necessarily ours but are now ours to work through right it's like that poem you know i forget who wrote it but i think i might have read it on this podcast before but it's like they'll fuck you up your mom and dad they didn't mean to but they do uh <laughs> you know, that's that's kind of the energy of this cancer capricorn dichotomy that's going on and again it doesn't matter how old you are you can be 80 years old and realize that you still have some inner child work to do or you still have some ancestral work to um, kind of heal through. Now, it's very intense, though, to have the, both Pluto and Saturn playing on these archetypes. Now, let's, students of astrology, let's think, what does Pluto really mean? Okay, if I, if I was really good at editing, I would insert like the sound of crickets <laughs> into the recording right now uh, because Pluto um, is a very difficult planet to understand and that's for a reason. Pluto is kind of like the ocean. Okay, uh, the ocean, we only know 90, we only know about 5% of the ocean. 95% of our ocean is unexplored. That's kind of like Pluto. That's, that's kind of like the planet of Pluto. Um, we only really know Pluto on a very surface level. And that goes back to our spiritual evolution too. I don't think we're evolved spiritually enough yet to really truly understand what Pluto means fully. So because we're not ready to know the information almost as humans, we can only know so much about the planet Pluto. Um, but what we do know about Pluto, and both Pluto and Saturn are very psychological, right? Uh, they have the placements of Pluto and Saturn in our chart have a lot to do with our psychology, our way of being, um, our mental states. Pluto specifically is sort of this bringer of awareness. Um, Pluto is a very esoteric planet and Pluto helps us break patterns, uh, change habits. Pluto is also about our willpower, uh, but any ounce of willpower we have to get something accomplished or 
fulfill a goal um it's coming from a mental place right we can't have the willpower to do something if our mind isn't on board and that's why pluto is really all about the mind um you know even though a lot of very plutonian people they seem very intense by plutonian people i mean people who have a very strong influence of pluto in their chart um they may appear very outwardly intense and outwardly ready to achieve their goals. But where is that coming from? It's coming from that inner state of mind. So it's important to know during this time, the heaviness of the energy, um, the only way to master Pluto is really through the mind. We can't really fully understand Pluto if we're not meditating, if we're not, um, you know, getting in touch with ourselves. And Pluto is very ash, a very astral planet too, in a very, in a metaphorical sense, of course. Um, like uh, Pluto is a planet where you almost need to approach it through your higher spiritual psychic self in order to understand but regardless pluto is coming up to saturn in this conjunction so they're sitting right next to each other in the sky on january 12th and saturn is about our trials and tribulations um, that are necessary for our growth and saturn is also about our self-imposed limitations our failures and how our failures are a part of our journey both pluto and saturn love to give us tough medicine and you know with this whole mixing pot of saturn pluto capricorn all brewing together um you know all of this stuff is about you know i think deeply seated trauma <laughs> deeply seated trauma uh deep 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 issues that are being brought to the surface so that's why we feel so intense right now that's why i kind of had that you know at the beginning of the podcast you heard my little soliloquy about how i'm just feeling weird um i'm just feeling really triggered right now i'm feeling um, very emotional like i'm cracking open um, that is because of this energy coming in January. Now, it's not something to be scared of. It's sort of the kind of thing where you just have to come into radical acceptance of it. Uh, because really, only a true fool would fight against a Pluto and a Saturn conjunction. We really have no choice but to surrender. <laughs> and especially Pluto and Saturn and Capricorn, right? Uh, both planets are pretty strong in Capricorn saturn is it's in its domicile in capricorn so there's there's just a lot of very strong energy that is encouraging us on our soul's growth and things are going to be coming up again those soul contract things are going to be coming up around this time too they may not be physical things popping up in our material world but they're soul contract stuff that we um agreed to realize internally within ourselves okay so that's kind of the, the gist of the energy we're going to be facing in January. And uh, besides that, that's kind of the personal level, right? Um, and the, the on the personal note too, going back to this idea of like sprinting the race versus taking it at our own pace, guys, just trust me. If you try to sprint into January with all this stuff coming up, with all, <laughs> with all this really heavy energy coming up, 
if you try to sprint into January, you will trip and fall. <laughs> and it, it, it's not going to be great. It's not going to be pretty. I would suggest, actually, if I can offer you a suggestion, <laughs> I would suggest take walking the first lap, okay? Take a lot of water breaks in January. Sit on a bench. It's okay if you see people sprinting past you. It's okay. Just let them pass you. This is your own journey. And if you need more time, and if you need process room to process things, and if you need to build that temenos for yourself, uh, maybe a little crystal grid in your room, uh, maybe uh, a place in nature, somewhere to bring the unconscious into the conscious, somewhere to really unpack some of the stuff that we've been needing to unpack for a while, do so. And it's okay. It's okay that sometimes it's winter, right? It's Capricorn season. Um, it's funny that the Capricorn archetype, we tend to... Uh, we tend to interpret it as sort of this very goal-setting CEO of the Zodiac. Uh, but Capricorn season also takes place in winter, which is a time of uh, literally we're dying, metaphorically. Uh, we're supposed to be taking time for ourselves to be more internal, to look at our shadow sides, to process what needs to be processed. So be very gentle on yourself on a personal note. Um, because actually collectively there will be a lot of energy too i mean that would only make sense right um you know if we're all personally going through a lot of heavy energy collectively it's going to feel heavy as well and that kind of brings me to what does the saturn pluto conjunction in capricorn really mean on a collective scale and every astrologer is going to really have their own interpretation of this and we can't truly know until we feel it right because we can't know something that hasn't happened before but like I kind of said previously, um, during that January time of January 12th, the Sun and Mercury are also going to be in Capricorn along with our Saturn and Pluto conjunction. Jupiter is going to be in Capricorn. The South Node, which is everything we're trying to let go of in our past lives, is going to be in Capricorn. Um, and actually, asteroid Ceres, uh, which I found interesting, will be at 22 degrees Capricorn as well. And actually, I haven't heard many astrologers talking about what this could mean. And I totally acknowledge that um, in this case, like, because the energy of a Saturn-Pluto conjunction is so, like big and significant and intense like it, that energy will easily overpower just an asteroid like Ceres but I do find it interesting that Ceres is in this mix especially because um, mythologically speaking uh, Ceres and Pluto are connected right because Ceres is Demeter and Pluto is Hades and what did, in, in Greek mythology, what did Demeter and Hades fight about? Well, um, Demeter's daughter, Persephone, had to go to the underworld with Hades and become his wife. So Demeter and Hades have some beef together. And I think the fact that Ceres is now involved with Pluto at this time is kind of significant because they don't like each other. <laughs> they're going to kind of have a fight too. Like they're they're it's not a great mix of ash like energy from the asteroids if that makes sense. 
Uh, and here's what I think about Ceres being involved in this conjunction. Um, in a way, yeah, going back to who is Ceres, I've talked about her before on the podcast. Ceres is the asteroid that re- rep- relates to the Greek goddess Demeter. Demeter is a harvest goddess. That is why we have summer and why we have winter. In the winter, Demeter gets really sad, or Demeter gets really sad because her daughter Persephone goes to the underworld with Hades slash Pluto, right? Um, And then in the summer, Persephone is allowed to come out of the underworld. Pluto releases her. Um, She is reunited with her mother Demeter, or Demeter, and the harvest happens, right? Demeter is happy. It's spring. It's summer. The flowers are blooming. The trees are the trees are green. You guys get me. You've probably heard me talk about this story before, right? So, in a personal level, what does Ceres, the asteroid Ceres, represent in our birth charts? Uh, Ceres can be about how we are nurturing um, to ourselves. It can be about the food we eat. It can be about the clothes we wear. Ceres is also uh, the asteroid that rules over um, textiles. <laughs> um, I almost wanted to say sextiles, but I meant textiles, like, you know, clothing, weaving, um, making clothes, that kind of thing. Um, but the, yeah, there's just something interesting that I'm getting spiritually with Ceres being involved with this conjunction on the 12th. And it's actually kind of reminding me, not to be even more confusing than I probably already am, we're really mixing mythologies here, guys. I hope you're staying with me. I hope I'm making this make sense. Um, but I kind of wanted to bring up the story of um, one of my favorite goddesses, Oshun. And Oshun is an African Orisha goddess. And Oshun can kind of be likened to Aphrodite, only she's a lot different, though. She's a lot more sexy. She's very sensual. She's a goddess about, um, you know, self-empowerment, self-worth. She wears this beautiful yellow dress. Um, She carries, like, a honeypot around her waist, um, and all that is implied with that. (laughs) Uh, You know, Oshun really likes to be worshipped, right? She kind of represents sort of this divine feminine, the worshipping of the divine feminine. And there's a story in the, from the Orisha Pantheon, and it's kind of their story, their version of the, like, beginning of the earth kind of story. Like, how did our earth get created And I'll do the spark notes on this story, and I'm not doing it a justice at all. So, um, you know, if you want to look into it more, Google it. There's plenty of, like, wonderful African Orisha priestesses that could probably tell the story much better than I can. And, uh, but granted, in the Orisha tradition, uh, how did the world come about? Well, the masculine, all the masculine gods were sort of making the world. And they discounted how important Oshun was in the process, Oshun representing the divine feminine. So they kind of sent her away. But soon, very quickly, they realized that they could not build the world with only masculine energy because without Oshun, they didn't have like the the yin to their yang. They didn't, and Oshun is also a river goddess, so they quite literally didn't have water. And if you don't have water, you can't make anything. (laughs) So it's interesting um, how in that tradition, it's sort of highlighted how kind of 
almost dumb it is to assume that we can survive only on mass the divine masculine without giving respect to the divine feminine and when you dis Oshun especially and when you don't respect her she's very hard to win back over right um and this is kind of i'm likening this to what's happening in the sky um in january especially with ceres in the mix uh, because ceres is this mother divine feminine kind of like oshun but notice how in the grand scheme of the world we've really disrespected the divine feminine we're really overexerting our masculinity. Um, and there, there's a lot of toxic masculinity in this world. And I don't mean, I mean that, I mean, of course, in the traditional way, like, of course, you know, there are, polit there are certain politicians, cough, cough, that display this sort of, um, like, gross representation of what toxic masculinity is. But I actually think we all have some degree of toxic masculinity, even if you are the most woke, feminist, you know, divine being, you know, you probably living on this earth and being human, you probably have internalized some sort of toxic masculinity and Toxic masculinity doesn't just have to be about hating women. Um, it's about something much deeper. It's about misusing the divine masculine. So when you go, 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 work, 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 and don't take care of yourself and you run yourself into the ground, that's toxic masculinity uh, in an energetic level. Uh, when you make yourself sick because you're not resting, that's toxic masculinity. When you're pushing through shit just to make it happen and sort of, um, you know, roll, like rolling over everybody else in the process, that's toxic masculinity too. So I'm sure whoever's listening, regardless of your gender, regardless of how you identify, I'm sure you can recognize there's probably a piece of toxic masculinity within yourself. And on a collective scale, this energy of January is really drawing to it intention, intention to, sorry, attention to how we've kind of just really dissed the divine feminine. Like I feel like Ceres, at least in the in the conjunction with Saturn, Pluto, um, the Sun, Mercury, like Ceres is pissed. <laughs> Ceres is going to be fighting off with Pluto, um, you know, and it's kind of like that pissed feeling that Oshun had when the masculine Orishas kind of, you know, kind of shook their head, didn't see what she had to have, see what she had to offer as important. So collectively speaking, we've seen this really building up too, right? Since 2018, especially, we've had the Me Too movement. We've had a lot of, um, you know, just uprising. Society has had a complete uprising over sort of this anger surrounding, I think, the imbalance of the masculine and feminine in our society. And I think in January, collectively, we will be facing this in some way. Um, you know, in January, uh, Oshun's probably going to show us kind of how pissed she is. <laughs> Ceres is going to show us kind of that she's pissed. Like, all of these, like, divine goddesses, you know, like, I think we're, they're kind of mad. <laughs> and uh, the Capricorn energy, too, the truest um, expression of Capricorn energy, it's not about again it's not about this capitalistic manifesting money ceo stuff um the 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 greatest and purest form of capricorn energy is 
worship of the earth. Capricorn is an earth sign. And um, in the physical earth, uh, the three layers of the earth, the core, the mantle, and the crust. Virgo represents the crust. Taurus represents the mantle. And Capricorn represents the core. Okay, so there's something at the Earth's core that is being kind of brought into the mix um, in this in this conjunction and uh, and relating it metaphorically to ourselves. Our core is sort of being rattled and shifted. We're being our something about the core of our being is is sort of being awakened. So I hope I didn't scare you guys. (laughs) with my little with my little moon sermon um but yeah it's just it's just big 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 energy and again that's why i think what earlier i said we need time to rest during january we need time to walk smell the roses take a drink of water take care of ourselves Um, we need to honor that divine feminine within ourselves and on this earth um but you know overexerting the masculine to the point where it, it becomes toxic masculinity uh that's not really what we're going for in january if ever (laughs) and again i'll say january and february are going to be very transitional months and in february we have mercury retrograde and we have a lot of other stuff going on so i don't really feel like 2020 is truly going to feel like it's begun until maybe like around march and uh right now we're just kind of tuck it in and we're ready for the ride now january 11th too, the day before all this saturn pluto jazz is happening um uranus goes direct along with again that full moon in cancer so there's just a lot of shifting going on now you can kind of realize why i'm telling you to be restful be kind to yourself take really good care of yourself um you know recommit to your inner child make sure you're showing your inner child that they can trust you at this time and of course i'm a hypocrite but i'm working on it uh that's really what we're really focusing on so that's kind of what i got for you guys i'm looking at my notes i'm seeing making sure i didn't miss anything but that that's really my advice and my sort of read on the energy i hope it made sense i hope it kind of helped some of the students of astrology piece together what um is going to be happening in january and sort of make sense of what the other big kid astrologers are saying about the saturn um, pluto conjunction in january Uh, I'll be making some more posts about this on Instagram too, so sit tight. And in the next segment of the episode, I'll be answering some listener questions. So I'm going to take a quick, quick break and I'll be right back. All right, guys, we are back with our questions. So if you're familiar with the format that I've been doing the podcast in lately, I've been doing like, you know, the, the moon sermons uh, about once or twice a month. And then I've been answering listeners questions uh, about, you know, different things that have to do with spirituality. Uh, and usually I post on Instagram about um, like, does anybody have any questions? And you guys just DM me there. But I just want to put it out there for this part of the segment. 
in the future, um, in 2020, feel free to basically send me your questions at any time uh, over email. My email's in the show notes. It's just horoscopewitch at gmail.com. Or you can send me them over DM on Instagram. Now, if you do ask me a big question over Instagram, I'll probably respond like, cool, thanks for sending, have it screenshotted, we'll discuss on the next episode. But feel free to just at any time or any moment if something comes up and for some reason you think, huh, I'd really like Mal to address this on the Horoscope Witch podcast, let me know. Again, I'm open to any questions that have to do with spirituality. Uh, You can ask me questions about myself. You can ask me questions about tarot, um, astrology. I would prefer, the only question that I don't love is like, can you read my birth chart kind of stuff? Um, If you do want a birth chart consultation, you can purchase one of those from me or another wonderful astrologer uh, that you resonate with. So besides that, um, and maybe there will be some episodes in the future where where I will answer birth chart um, questions, but for the most part, and if you have a specific question like, oh, I have my Venus and retrograde in my chart, what does that mean? That's okay, but like the question like, I'm sending you a screenshot of my birth chart. What does it mean? Uh, That is probably my least favorite question and I probably won't respond. (laughs) Not to be uh, mean, but just because it's just not what I'm looking for. Uh, But anyways, the, the group of questions that I have for today, I think are so important because all of this stuff, I think, relates to the New Year resolutions. Um, I always want to call them New Year revolutions, Um, like a very revolutionary new way of thinking uh, that we're all kind of embarking on. And I think each one of these questions we can kind of relate maybe to something we're going to be working on in 2020 within ourselves. And again, I feel like our, all of our resolutions, they're, they're, maybe some of them are material, but I think a lot of us are on the same page where we're really trying to make these resolutions about inner work and personal development and spiritual transformation. I think most of us are kind of on that page. So I think some of these questions can kind of help us get some ideas flowing of what we really need to work on. And of course, you can always ask your cards or spirit, um, what you need to be working on this year. I would say definitely involve your higher self in that. But let's just get in here. So the first question, um, and I'll keep people anonymous for this one. Um, Someone asked how to gently tell a client in a reading that they've been brainwashed by consumerism. (laughs) So uh, the person who asked me this, um, I I know you, (laughs) and you kind of started doing psychic readings, tarot readings, and thank you for giving me the perspective of um, like a practitioner or a healer asking a question, because I think as we kind of grow, I think more and more of us are going to be stepping in into the healer and practitioner role. And I want to be a place for the student 
but I also want to be a place where like practitioners and healers and anybody of the like can also ask me questions from that perspective. So thank you for asking me something from like a practitioner's perspective. So how did you gently tell a client in a reading they've been brainwashed by consumerism? Um, the first thing, um, the first thing that I thought of, to be honest, I was like that the wording didn't necessarily sound like something that spirit would say necessarily. It kind of sounds like how we as humans would translate the reading, right? And uh, that's that's sort of um, what we're kind of the challenge we're met with as readers in any reading. You know, we are the vessel of spirit, um, but we are also a translator of spirit's message. And we have to kind of be careful of how we translate the message because like intuition, I think spirit's message is often neutral. Uh, I don't really agree with the sense of like spirit is yelling at us or our guides are, you know, I don't know, like scratching their heads and, you know, pulling their hair out on the other side, watching us live our lives. Like, of course, I'll make some of those comments from time to time. And there's like a bunch of funny memes that have to do with that. But at the end of the day, I think spirit's pretty neutral with us. So I think we as readers um, should should try to remain as neutral and unbiased as possible. In a way, we kind of have to take all of our shit and just like kind of put it in uh, the corner there. Um, <laughs> like we have to acknowledge what we are biased about and then kind of be like, okay, these are the things that could possibly like... Um, really evoke some emotion for me in a reading but in order to be the best reader as possible I have to remain as objective non-judgmental and neutral as I possibly can for this person and also uh, we have to remain those things too to in order to truly hear spirit's message so the first thing I thought when you said, you know, how to tell a client they've been brainwashed by consumerism, again, I was like, okay, this sounds like maybe like a personal, um, like kind of like the translation of spirit's message maybe became too personal. And I don't know, we have to talk about, maybe we'll talk about this later, but um, I don't, maybe you yourself, you may be very triggered by consumerism because of certain things that um, have gone on in your life. And maybe you see kind of the same situation being brought up for your client. Um, but really we have to know that like each person is on their own journey, right? And um, it, it's not really a matter of telling someone uh, that telling someone like a hard message, but it's more about, I think, inviting someone to discover it themselves. And for me, anything that's kind of like surface level coming up in a reading, like let's say, let's say this is me and I feel like the client is brainwashed by consumerism. Let's say spirit is telling me that they're buying a lot of junk and they're, they're going to TJ Maxx every weekend and they're in the clearance aisle and they're buying all this crystals and they're spending all their rent money and they're in a bunch of credit card debt. Let's say I'm getting that information from spirit and the cards and the person is confirming and they're telling me, well, like, I just feel like I never have enough and shopping has become an addiction. Let's say that's sort of the issue on the table. 
Well, here's your job as the reader, I think. It's not necessarily to tell them they've been brainwashed by consumerism, but I think you're going to, as the reader and with Spirit's help, try to invite the person into the deeper issue at hand because anything can be surface level and it's probably covering up a deeper issue. So surface level things that cover up deeper issues like addiction, spending, alcohol, drugs, um, even like not lacking motivation or or laziness or even burning ourselves out. Um, Really all these surface level problems we all have have a deeper meaning. So I would say in that reading, again, it's not maybe about calling that person out on their shit, although there may be a couple of readings that you have to do that in, and I mean that in like the nicest way, but it could be about inviting the person into the deeper issue. So once you kind of get past wanting to be like, yo, don't you see you're brainwashed by consumerism, um, maybe you can kind of pull a couple more cards and ask, well, what's the deeper issue at hand? Um, maybe then the cards and your your intuit- intuition will kind of lead you to, well, it looks like as a kid, maybe mom and dad never had enough money to provide for this person. So they kind of grew up really wanting to provide for themselves and now it's become a self-worth issue and they're trying to fill their self-worth issue by spending. And there's and if we can get the client there where they're kind of discovering kind of a deeper the deeper issue about themselves, then they can get up after the reading and actually look at themselves and kind of change something about their lives, right? Um, A surface level reading is maybe going to satisfy someone like for like a couple days, but it's like those readings that really hit you and you get at that person's kind of um, shadow side and you make them kind of realize something about themselves that's what's really like gonna elicit that change that you see um about that person now one more thing um just like in general for anybody who's listening who is a practitioner or uh reads or heals other or helps heal by the way, I, I know I use the word healer a lot. Just to be clear, I don't believe that I'm healing people. I'm be- I believe that I'm creating a safe space to facilitate their healing. You know what I mean? Like, I if I never think I'm doing the work. It's just I'm helping the client do the work. If that makes sense, it always has to come from the client. So don't think that I'm like saying healer in a very guru way because I'm not. It's more like just because it's an easy generalized word. Um, But if we're relaying any sort of spiritual message to someone, again, I'll go back to that thing about I found that spirit's kind of neutral. um, And I've been guilty, too. I think it's definitely in a reading where um, I'll feel like the message from spirit and then I'll feel like my own human like biases and judgments and emotions like coming into it and then I've gotten better though at being like okay we got to get out of here like we got to step aside this isn't your life like (laughs) this is someone else's life this is someone else's journey we got to get all that stuff in the corner um and uh but as the reader, you kind of are finding a balance and this takes time and I'm still finding this taking time 
Um, you kind of have to find a balance between like being too blunt and also too nice because if you're too nice during the reading and you're just kind of giving like this happy-go-lucky like rah-rah cheerleader message and everything's fine and dandy, the person's not going to trust you. And if you're being too blunt, the person isn't going to come back because they're going to think you were kind of mean to them. <laughs> so finding that like middle ground and being kind of neutral with spirit, uh, that seems to work for me. But again, what you're asking um, is something that I have struggled with. Not in this instance, this specific way, but oh gosh, like, I, I'm not going to lie to you guys, like, I've totally struggled with how to, the correct way to deliver a message, or the best way to, um, it, to deliver something in, in the best way possible, and for me, because I'm a people pleaser, okay, um, raise your hand if you're a people pleaser, I often have to like really acknowledge there's a part of myself that is very afraid that someone is going to come at me with like anger or rage or um, not like my message and kind of like be offended by it. So it, it, it's kind of an irrational fear though. Um, so I tend to like veer too much on the nice side and I'm kind of now finally at like a middle ground where I feel like, no, there is a way to speak the truth um, and there is a way to stand solid in your truth um, and not sugarcoat things just because you're being a people pleaser. Um, that's like also not great. So, or, I mean, that, that would be the way to do it. But, you know, if you have a people pleaser kind of shadow side, as a healer, it's something that takes a long time to like get in check. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who is has dealt with this. So that that's what I would suggest for you. Go deeper. Go deeper with this client. I guarantee it's not just about their consumerism. It's probably a deeper trauma about self-worth. Um, okay, so the next question. This is an astrology question. Someone said... My moon and ascendant are both in Pisces. Is that normal? What does it mean? Okay, so for this, if we have um, really any planet um, in the same sign as our rising sign or our ascendant, it, it, it can be, it is very significant. So in this instance, um, this person has both their rising, their Pisces is, their, they have Pisces rising, and then they have the moon in Pisces. Um, so I would say, you know, if we look at this, your rising sign is your persona, your outward appearance, the way you present yourself to the world, and your, the moon is your emotions and your memories how you express yourself. So I would say the moon and the rising in the same sign, you're going to be a very emotionally expressive person. You may wear your heart on your sleeve kind of thing. I know this is kind of generalized, but I don't have your own birth, your whole birth chart, so I can only do it with the piece that you've given me. Now, here's the thing though. Um, like the the moon and the on the ascendant, it kind of depends where it's coming from. I would also 
be checking like, is your moon though in your 12th house or your first house? Because just because the moon is the same sign as the ascendant doesn't mean that the moon is gonna be conjunct the rising, if that makes sense. Um, like how far away in degree are your moon and your rising? Because if the rising, let's say, is at one degrees Pisces and the moon is at 25 degrees Pisces, that's definitely not going to be a conjunction, right? We're not going to maybe, but maybe if, it, if it's more the rising is at, let's say, one degrees Pisces and the moon is at two degrees Pisces, then that's a very tight conjunction to the ascendant. And that's going to bring the moon and the qualities of the moon, which are, again, emotions, memories, that heart space, it's going to bring that into your persona and your personality. Um, but it, it also depends too, the moon could be in the 12th house. So this could totally not make sense for you. You could be like, well, I don't really wear my heart on your, my sleeve. I actually hide a lot of my emotions or I'm afraid of acknowledging how emotional I am. That would probably be more conducive if the moon is sitting in the 12th versus if the moon is sitting in the first. Um, the planets in the first house are our most visible planets. They're things that people notice about us right off the bat. Um, versus in the 12th house, these are the things that we might keep a little bit secret, a little bit more on the down low, a little bit more hidden. Now, because both your moon and your ascendant are in Pisces, both your moon and the ascendant are kind of wearing the costume of a very emotional, sensitive, intuitive, um, creative kind of person. Um, so again, maybe if you're like, oh, I don't resonate, then maybe the moon is kind of more in the 12th. Um, maybe you do feel like that, but you don't outwardly express it as much as you want to. Versus if the moon is actually in the first, maybe you really resonate and you think, oh yeah, everybody who knows me would say I'm a very creative, emotional person. But again, it's about the whole chart, right? Uh, but I would say as an astrologer, if I saw that someone had any planet very close to their rising sign, I always would take that as very significant. And it would probably be one of the first things we would talk about in the session. Uh, so good question. I, I like that. Um, let's see. Another f follower asked, how do I stay connected to spirit every day? The working world makes it hard and I'm often like dead tired after work. And um, that's kind of the spark notes about what this person said. They also shared with me that um, the nature of their job, it, it's very, um, it, it requires a lot of energy. Um, I, from my perspective of what they relayed to me in the DM, they did, they felt like once they got home, they were so tired that it was sort of like get up, work, work really hard, get home, and just like collapse from exhaustion in bed. And they're just struggling with how to incorporate spirituality into their world a little bit more regularly um, and I will say you know just in general how do I stay connected to spirit every day I think staying connected to spirit is really just staying connected to yourself um, so spirituality is the church of the church of you um, it's the church of your higher self spirituality is like you're visiting the the temple or the altar of of how awesome you are and how much purpose you have in this world and um, spirituality and connecting with spirit again it, when we self when we do things like self-love 
nurture ourselves, um, uh, be kind, being kinder to ourselves, all of these things go hand in hand with connecting to spirit. And you really can't connect with spirit unless you are, again, connected to yourself. So in a busy day, how do we stay connected to spirit slash ourselves? Well, we might have to get creative with like the seemingly mundane things that we do every day. Um, is there a way to make your like transportation to work, like whether it's in the car or by subway or however you get to work, is there a way to incorporate like connection to yourself during that time? Like Maybe if you're taking the subway to work, maybe um, you're listening to meditation music and connecting with yourself on your way to work. Um, maybe if you're driving to work, you're listening to a podcast you really enjoy or listening to like, I don't know, like some kind of music that reminds you to connect with yourself. Um, before you get off the train or before you get out of the car, maybe you make time for five minutes or even two minutes of a short meditation where you can really breathe into your heart space. Um, we all have to eat during the day. It doesn't matter how busy we are. Um, so maybe your nourishing meal, um, feeding yourself a nourishing meal can be a spiritual experience, even if you are at work. Um, like eating in peace, um, incorporating a daily journaling practice into your break time at work, um, reminding yourself to do small meditations again during work can be helpful, even if these things are just like two minutes long. That being said, I think that um, we are inherently spiritual beings at all times. Like it's not like we can shut it off or shut it on or turn it on, I mean. Uh, and with or without like our crystals or our cards or our meditation, we're always connected to spirit. It's just sort of that awareness. Um, all of these practices like, again, making a crystal grid, meditation, lighting a candle, they're really just bringing awareness to how greatly we are connected to divine source. And that can feel really good, but even if we never do this kind of stuff, we're still always connected and we don't need the kind of sparkly lala to truly connect to spirit all we really need is ourselves and our own willingness um i was tempted to tell you too that maybe if during the week you feel too tired to do these things or connect um i was thinking like well maybe they can like dedicate like one day on the weekend where they like you know go to yoga and it's just their like spiritual day and they do meditation or they go for a nature walk or they do something for a couple hours like a salt bath or get a reiki session or something that really makes them feel like special and feel it makes them feel reconnected with, with their spiritual side and like part of me is like okay that's valid advice of my own but then another part of me is kind of judging that advice that I was going to give you and kind of being like well spirituality isn't church we're not like it's not like like how I grew up like in the Catholic Church it's not like we're showing up um hungry to you know Father Dan's ser like sermon and we're like oh my god when is this going to be over I'm so hungry and we sit an hour in church and we don't even listen to anything and then we leave like a bat out of hell and we <laughs> and um and then our our hour to God a week is over thank God and then we can get on with our lives like 
that's not what spirituality is supposed to be, I don't think, because it's not like a dogma and it's not supposed to be like this thing we do like once a week and get o- get it over with. So maybe that advice that I just gave you about like a day a week where like you really feel like you can reconnect with yourself, maybe that would work for you if that resonates, but also if it feels like a burden or it feels like you want to get it over with or it doesn't feel good, then we're just kind of creating that sort of going to church effect that maybe we're trying to get away from, if that makes sense. So listen into your guides. What would work for you in your life? Um, For some reason, intuitively, um, when I was connecting with this question, I thought I was getting a message about Reiki for the person that I... um, I'm answering this question for. So I'm not sure if Reiki has ever been something that you have been interested in learning. Uh, But for me, Reiki is an awesome way. Just having those tools, being, um, you know, attuned to the Reiki energy. Um, it's been really awesome because I can give myself Reiki at any point in the day. You know what I mean? Like I can give myself a Reiki session while I'm sitting typing on my laptop. I can give myself a Reiki session before I get out of bed every morning and feel good and feel like I connected to my higher self. So if that is available to you somehow and there's a Reiki Um, master teacher in your area who you would like to talk to and talk about maybe um, what is Reiki, can I get attuned, Um, how could it help me in my life, that could be an idea for you. Again, this was just an intuitive hit. Let it fly if it doesn't resonate. Um, But I don't know, For for me, Reiki, Reiki really helps me stay connected to spirit every day. Okay, next question. Do our periods have a pull over us like the movement of the planets? (laughs) Interesting. See, most people would have asked, do the planets have a pull over me like the power of like my period? But you asked the opposite. You asked... Do my do our periods have a pull over us like the moment the movements of the planets? Um, I don't exactly know what you mean by this because I feel like it's common knowledge that um, that like a menstruation cycle, people who menstruate, there's always like a time when we feel like it rules over us. Like maybe when we're PMSing, we feel like, um, you know my my cycle is really like controlling me right now like I I feel really emotional or I feel like I have a lot of cravings or I feel like I'm really tired and I need to rest and la-di-da-di-da but maybe you mean it in more of a spiritual way like does a menstruation cycle relate to our like spirituality and I would say absolutely 100% yes Um, and I find that women slash people who menstruate today and this goes back to the toxic masculinity thing that I was talking about Um, because there's so much toxic masculinity that everybody is carrying in society um, it's caused us in right now in our in our age to people who menstruate to be very disconnected from our cycle Um, Like, for instance, did you know that there's more to a cycle, your menstruation cycle, than just 
the period part. There's actually four parts of a um, uh, of a woman's cycle or a person who menstruates cycle. Um, the bleeding part is only a quarter of it. Um, and most people don't know that because we weren't really taught that. Uh, if you're looking to get more connected to your cycle, um, there is a book that I would recommend. By the way, it, it was written quite a while ago. I think it, it feels very like 70s new age granola woman. Um, it's called <laughs> Taking Charge of Your Fertility. Even if you aren't trying to get pregnant, um, that book, um, it's basically, it's a book about the fertility awareness method of birth birth control. Even if you're not trying to get pregnant and even if you're not trying to do the fertility awareness method as a form of birth, birth control, that book like blew my mind open because I didn't know before I read that book that, um, as a woman, I had like four parts of my cycle. I didn't know that there was only, I could only get pregnant 25% of the time. Um, and that's what's interesting is, um, you know, I think part of the reason people who menstruate are so disconnected from their cycle is because um, people who menstruate are typically in charge of the birth control, right? Um, Because that's been very instilled into us as a fear, like, oh my God, don't get pregnant, you're gonna ruin your life, you better get on birth control. Um, But the hormonal birth control, um, you know, oftentimes it it ceases um, our cycle. Maybe on some hormonal birth controls, we don't um, we don't experience all four traditional parts of our cycle, um, which is kind of like the period or the bleeding, um, and then kind of the lead up to ovulation, then the ovulation period, and then the kind of leading down, like kind of the backing off of ovulation. So when we're on birth control, we don't experience all four parts of that cycle. And it's from my perspective, and again, I know this is a losing game because what are we supposed to do? I mean, we can't not have birth control. Um, and I'm not say, I'm not talking smack about birth control, but we also wonder why does birth control cause so many people, um, hormonal birth control, why does it cause so many people anxiety and depression? It's because that's not natural for a person who menstruates to be disconnected from that those four parts of her cycle or their cycle her or their cycle um and that's very difficult to handle now this isn't true for everybody um and i'm not trying to make a blanket statement that like all hormonal birth control is bad uh but i think there's more to it than like the doctors are letting on like (laughs) I feel like uh, I feel intuitively that there's way more to it and I also feel intuitively that sometimes even doctors like um, like gynecologists or whatever they would totally um, disregard the fertility awareness method um, as like a legitimate form of birth control even though it's proven to work and um, be sometimes just just as effective as your traditional forms and you don't have to like pump yourself with the hormones of a birth control pill or whatnot now how did I get on this topic I don't really know but um, 
to answer your question, yes, I really think periods definitely have a pull over us. I think um, a way we can embrace the divine feminine is to get more in touch with our cycle. Um, to learn about the different parts about our cycle and how we feel and what it means. Um, there may be a time of the month where you feel like really down and exhausted and depressed. Um, that could be directly related to the part of your cycle that you are in versus there are other times in the month where you feel extremely motivated um, and, and have a lot of energy. Again, something else that's related to your cycle. Uh, so it's interesting to kind of like just examine that about ourselves and one more thing um when i say that um yeah people who menstruate are responsible for the birth control most of the time because uh we carry the um burden slash blessing i guess we could just say of um being able to become pregnant right uh but here's the thing we're only fertile 25 percent of the time a person who menstruates is only fertile when they are ovulating, okay? People with penises, they are fertile 100% of the time. So how does that make sense? Sorry, I'm getting mad. <laughs> but how does that make sense that so many people who menstruate have to go on this hormonal birth control shit and it fucks them up and it makes them disconnected from their cycle and it makes them go crazy and we're only we only can get pregnant 25 percent of the time wouldn't it make more sense if the men and um the people with penises had a way to control their fertility because they are fertile again 100 percent of the time but and, you know, half the shit that women slash people who menstruate do, like the whole, um, like, IUDs and having to literally put a metal contraption up your vagina. Yeah, like, try try telling a person with a penis that they have to put a metal contraption up their penis. Let's see how that goes, you know? So there's just, it's just so, um, it's a very difficult thing to move through. And I think that these are, there's multiple reasons why we are very disconnected from our bodies. Um, and yeah, that's, that's what I'll say. And I don't even know if I just answered your question, but just some food for thought. And I'll put that uh, fertility awareness method book in the show notes um, if you want to check it out. Um, okay, so tips, apps, sites to help keep up with astro movements and happenings. Um, so I'm a big fan of planetwatcher.com. I'll put it in the show notes. It's sort of a free um, like um, astrological wheel to track the movements of the planets. Um, so you can see like where the planets are every day. And if you go on planetwatcher.com, um, you can kind of see what I was talking about in the beginning of the episode with the astrology stuff. Um, you can literally click on like January 12th and you'll see the, the Pluto, Saturn, South Node, Sun, Mercury, and Ceres. You'll see all those planets all clustered really close together in Capricorn. So you'll be able to visualize more what I'm exactly saying. 
And if you're a serious student of astrology and you really are trying to learn astrology, you should get an ephemeris, like a good old-fashioned paper ephemeris, um, which is just a book of charts um, that lists the degrees of every single planet. Um, that way you can kind of, it, there's a part of astrology you have to kind of go Amish style first to really learn it. <laughs> and you got to kind of see it by hand and look up um, the degrees and see how they're interacting. So an ephemeris could be helpful for you if you're really trying to learn astrology. Um, now, podcast-wise, I would say um, Ann Ortley's Weekly Weather podcast is really great for like keeping track of um, the astrological weather in a more technical sense. Same with the astrology podcast. I was just talking about this with... Um, Allison, Ethereal Odyssey Allison, um, but I told her um, the Astrology Podcast put out a really good juicy episode about the houses and the house system. And we were both talking about how the Astrology Podcast is, um, it's not co colloquial at all. It's extremely academic. Um, you know, it's, sometimes it's hard to follow. I, and for me, I was like, all right, once you can like fully understand the Astrology Podcast, like you got this, like you're at the next level, like you're no longer a beginning student, like you're intermediate and advanced student now. Um, so the Astrology Podcast, um, you may want to listen to it, even if you don't completely understand everything that they're saying at first, because it's too technical. You could kind of just keep going and learn with them and allow yourself to kind of um, be a little bit lost and confused and see where it takes you. Um, I've heard of people also downloading the CoStar app to keep track. I don't have the CoStar app and I just feel like I'm my own CoStar app because <laughs> I keep track of my transits every single day. So I don't really need the CoStar app. Um, and I think ultimately the CoStar app doesn't teach you how to be an astrologer and it doesn't teach you how to track your own transits and it doesn't really teach you how to read an ephemeris or like look at an astro astrological wheel. So I think CoStar is a really good tool for a lot of people, um, but not necessarily a great tool if you're seriously trying to learn astrology. And um, I will just say too, uh, you can't really keep up with the astrological happenings if you don't know the basics. That's the other thing. So you can't get to like the transits and the the stuff and the Saturn Pluto la la um, before you before you really know what Saturn and Pluto mean and before you know the signs and the houses and stuff like that. So start easy, go easy on yourself, and once you feel like you're solid on your your planets and your signs, then work your way up to knowing the happenings. Um, but challenge yourself too, challenge yourself. Okay, this is a really good question. Gosh, how much time we got here? Okay, we're okay. Um, someone asked, um, how do you have the confidence that you are making choices for yourself and not for others? Okay. Girl, you are, you are, after my own heart with this one, right? Um, so I will say that this is something making, not knowing the difference between making a choice for yourself versus making the choice for another person. Uh, that is something that I have struggled with my entire life. It roots from being raised in a codependent family system. And I'm also, um, you know, I'm a 
people-pleasing perfectionist, okay? <laughs> I'll admit it right here. I, I have PPPS, <laughs> people-pleasing perfectionist syndrome, <laughs> which is a syndrome that I just made up. But I, I maybe you have kind of a similar quote-unquote syndrome. Like <laughs> you just, you, you want to you wanna people-please and you want to be a perfectionist. And these two things really um, make it hard when it comes down to really making a decision for our own selves. And I think that to really know, and again, I'm not an expert, and again, I'm learning too, but what I've found is that to really learn your yes, you have to learn your no, and you have to say no before you can say yes, if that makes sense. Like, you kind of have to get a little bit more seasoned with being like, no, I don't want to do that. And like telling a person that that's not your thing versus like just being like, yes, yes, yes. And being a yes person, uh, because really where this is rooting from too, your question um, and it sounds kind of serious. I don't mean to make it that serious, but it's rooting from the fact that, like, if you're, if we have co some kind of codependency or we have some um, perfectionist or people-pleasing tendencies, it's all really rooted from self-betrayal. Um, you know, we we've spent a lot of time maybe betraying ourselves and our own wants and our own knowing and our own needs. And um, when you do that for so long and you're unconscious, it's all unconscious right? It's not even our fault. We were just kind of raised to be like this in some way. Um, if we've been unconsciously self-betraying, self sorry, betraying ourselves for a really long time, saying no and saying, I don't want to do this and admitting to yourself that like, I don't want to make this choice for this person because it doesn't feel right for me. Oh man, that's hard. It's hard to really like say no at first but once you start doing it you're going to get better at it and you're going to get better at recognizing when you're saying yes and betraying yourself versus when you're giving a hell yes i want to do this kind of thing um and i will say too uh there were times this year where i i had this same thing happen where i had realized the same thing as you i had been saying yes without really thinking about it and realizing that i was saying yes to shit that i wasn't aligned with and then you know i was like okay i have to stop i have to start saying no so there was an instance um this year it was like a small instance where i said no to an event that I previously had said yes to read at. And then I later told the person, you know what, it just doesn't feel in alignment. I can't do it. I'm going to say no. So that was um, really difficult. And I spent the whole day of the event questioning myself, feeling guilty for saying no. I even... Um, had a thought of like, oh, what if I go to the event now and like surprise them and be like, okay, I'm here now. Just kidding. I am here. Like really in, like this is nutcase stuff, right? <laughs> like that's how bad my people pleasing is at times where like if I say no, I'll guilt trip myself and I'll like try to like weave my way back into doing the thing that I just said no to. So the reason I share this is because when we first start to heal, from um, like the people pleasing stuff and saying yes when we really don't mean yes. When we say no, there can be a great amount of shame and guilt and inadequacy that kind of bubbles over. 
Um, it's really hard not to listen to it, but just sit with the discomfort, okay? That whole day of the event, I just had to sit with my discomfort and I just had to keep um, reassuring myself that I did the right thing, I, I made the right choice, I wasn't supposed to be there. If I was supposed to be there, I would have said yes and I would be there, but I'm not, you know? Um, and also, the other thing too, when we start to make choices for ourselves, um, sometimes that monkey mind will come in and and start being like, "You're a horrible person." Well, you, that's that was insensitive, or you really hurt that person's feelings by saying no. Again, this stuff we don't have to listen to. We can just acknowledge that it's there and just keep going. And again. Uh, I used to say I was, I used to pride myself and be like, man, I'm such a decisive person. Like in college, I used to say this shit all the time. I'd be like, I don't get indecisive people. Like I can make a decision right then and there and I can be done with it. And I'm really not indecisive. Like that was not the case. What I was doing was just saying yes to everything and not thinking about what I was saying yes to. So now that I am thinking about what are my yeses and what are my noes, I feel like an indecisive psycho. Like, <laughs> like it's crazy. Like, I feel like I've never been more indecisive in my life than in this past year and in this moment. But honestly, it's kind of good because I think in a weird way, there has to be a period of like, you stop saying yes to everything and then you go into like the indecisive mode where you're like, oh, should I do this? I don't really know. But you're fighting your way out of those old people pleasing tendencies. So just let yourself feel indecisive. And then once the wheels start turning and you start getting onto the mud, then you can finally return to more of like a healthy decisiveness where you can answer yes or no in a good way right? And my tried and true is, um, hey, can I get back to you in 24 hours? Like if someone asks me now to do something like big, like an event or, um, or wants to collaborate with me in some way, um, I try not to answer on the spot. I kind of say like, okay, sure, sounds great. Give me 24 hours or give me X amount of time and I'll get back to you. And then I'll sit within myself and I'll be like, okay, Mal, do you really want to do this? Do you really want to do this? No. Okay. Okay. We have to tell the person no. No problem. We don't have to do anything we don't want to do. You know, let's just go. So you get me. You get me. It's, um, it's, we're in a recovery process with this. So you need to be gentle with yourself. And at the same time, uh, be prepared to feel guilty at times because that's just the stuff that comes up when we start to make these decisions for ourselves. Okay. Last question. How can one release another's energy when it's like Yoda in our backpack? <laughs> I like the Yoda reference here. So um, with this, when we're taking on other people's energy, we're kind of being related back to like, okay, the empath. Are we being an empowered empath who is responsible for our own energetic field? Or are we being an unempowered empath where we're just kind of like, sponge in everybody's stuff right and we're kind of taking in everybody's problems and we don't feel we feel emotionally um like we're not in a good place after we've been around someone who has a big problem it's probably because we are taking on that person's problems and it's probably because we need to work on our own energetic boundaries um 
believe me, this I've been working on this for a while now too. So I will say refer to my cleansing and grounding episode that I did, um, I think at some point in December. Um, but I will ask you kind of to ponder anybody who's feeling the same thing, like how do we stop carrying another person's energy around like it's Yoda in our backpack? Well, whose energy is it? That's the, that's what I want to know. Um, like is it some random person at Walmart? Because that's going to be easier to deal with, you know? Like if you find yourself picking up, you're, in, you're like me, you're in Costco, some woman's yelling at her husband and you start to feel her anger. It's a little bit easier to get rid of that because you can just ground yourself and kind of recognize pretty quickly, like, this is not mine. Um, because I did not have, like, great emotional ties with that person, you know, so it's easier to kind of, like, cleanse and ground and and kind of reconnect with my own energetic field so I'm not picking up on other people's stuff. But... Other people who we have really strong energetic ties to, like maybe different family members, it could be parents, it could be friends, it could be partners. When we have strong energetic ties to someone, we have the tendency, there's a greater tendency to take on the problems of that person. And that's rooting from another, you know, I know codependency, it's a pain in the ass because <laughs> you, you start to realize it's affecting every area of your life. Um, but you might have to recognize this within yourself. Like, why am I taking on the responsibility of this other person's emotions? And I think in general, we just tend to overinvest our energy in people that we care about. Um, and on a conscious level, we are doing it because we're trying to be a good person, right? We're trying to be a good friend. We're trying to be a good family member. We're trying to be a good partner. But on an unconscious level, I think we're doing it because we're gathering some sort of like self-worth from being able to help a person. And we have to remember that our self-worth isn't based off of that. Our self-worth is based off of, should be, or can be based off of how well we're taking care of ourselves, you know? And I think that's how we're trying to remodel ourselves going forth. So if it is energy that you're trying to get rid of, you feel like you're carrying someone else's energy, um, you, could, you could, I think, again, cleansing and grounding, refer to the last episode, um, but cord cutting can be a pretty good um, practice. Cord cutting sounds kind of scary, but it's really not. It's just a visualization of the cord between you and the other person. And calling in, I usually like to call in like a cord cutting entity and then a healing energy. So I was taught to do cord cutting with Archangel Michael and Archangel Raphael. You could do it with the Morgan and Mother Mary. You could do it with Jesus and whoever. You know, you can, I would say, pick like a duo of people you want to call in and have this entity or this um, kind of energy help you kind of do the visualization um, and cut the cord between you and that other person's energy. And then call in the healing side, the healing side of the duo, and kind of send healing to both parties. Now, again, when we have strong energetic cords to people, it can take more than just one visualization to truly cord cut the energy. And to truly cord cut our energy from other people, um, we really have to remain interdependent. We really have to remain, remain independent. Yeah, that's what I mean. Independent within ourselves and empowered within ourselves. 
Um, but cord cutting can help, just kind of having that visualization of releasing the energy. Um, and I'm not sure, maybe this resonates if you are um, resonating with the idea of a mantra. A mantra is sort of, uh, it's, it's kind of like a prayer. Um, it comes from uh, both the Hindu and Buddhist traditions, uh, but it's, a, it's sort of a repeating line that you can say to yourself when, you know, maybe you feel like you're taking on another person's energy. And this can be a reminder to you and your psyche and your higher self that this is not um, in your highest good. So this mantra can be anything. It can be a phrase like, um, you know, you're placing your hand over your heart, taking a deep breath and saying, I am not responsible for anybody else's energy but my own. It could be, um, I take back my power. Uh, it could be, I use Ganesh, the mantra of Ganesh a lot. Um, Ganesh is a, um, a god slash goddess um, that has to do with... Uh, road opening. So I, I often repeat Ganesh's mantra to myself a ton of times, just Om Gam Gana Pataye Namaha. So I'll say that if I feel like something's coming on and with that intention of that mantra, it'll just kind of like banish that kind of stuff. <laughs> Does that make sense? I hope that I hope that makes sense to you because again, I could answer your question a little bit more specifically if I knew who this person was, who you're carrying their energy around. Um, but it could really be anyone. And regardless if it's a stranger or or a family member or someone that you know, I just want to ask you, like put the mic on you and ask you, why do you feel like you have to be responsible for the energy? Okay, so there's, there's definitely a dual side to this question. It's not just about the other person having nasty energy. It's about you and... Um, the sponge effect, if that makes sense. <laughs> okay. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to this very long podcast. Um, I have a bunch of new links in my show notes. So I would say I have updated my Etsy shop by now, hopefully. So I have my 2020 year ahead reading. If you still are interested in 2020 year ahead reading, I have a couple natal chart readings left for January. Um, I already have a handful of them on my plate, so I'm only doing a couple more. So if you want your natal chart read in January, either in person or over Zoom, um, those are all in the link in my show notes on my Etsy page. Uh, I think there's going to be a couple more Etsy offerings coming up in the future, just about a general Skype like psychic tarot reading where there's not really a spread. It's just like me and you kind of having a session. I'm thinking that is more in alignment than a lot of the readings I have on Etsy right now. And also I am in the midst of making a Patreon. So keep an eye out for that. I will be announcing it on Instagram, but you will soon be able to get extra horoscope witch content via Patreon, where I'm basically gonna have um, like a YouTube, like a secret YouTube channel that you can be a part of. And I also have another offering coming up coming up on Patreon, which is the tarot letters. So if you've been wanting to get a reading from me, but you're looking for like a cheaper option, 
I am going to be offering monthly tarot letters. So I'm going to write you like a hand, handwritten letter, um, pull you a card, channel some information about your month, mail it to you, and you kind of get it, the letter during the month. Um, so that's kind of my vision for Patreon. Like part of it's going to be videos about tarot and astrology and vlogs and that kind of jazz and other witchy stuff. And then another part of it is going to be some tarot letters and, and basically anything else that you guys want to see. So I'm really excited to keep on going with this. I, I've really been just like, it's just been serendipitous to see how this podcast has grown thank you guys so much for being here with me seriously um and also in the next week i want to do like a new year's reiki group session um so i'm going to be doing that over instagram video so or igtv so that'll be up in about the next week too um so again keep an eye out for etsy shop updates patreon updates and instagram stuff um and if you don't already follow me on instagram that's usually where i post all of my updates thank you guys okay i'm i'm out i'm peacing out love you love you bye